It's Friday. Let's wrap up this week's news. The spring breakout announced by MLB, some prospect injuries, and some minor trades. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. So, want to wrap up the week, right? We've had a lot of stuff happen this week. We've been a little bit busy with the MLB mock drafts. Those are available from the last two days. Went through the entire first round with Greg Zumach of Northside Bound. Really interesting shows. I'm really proud of how those came out and heard from an MLB scouting director that they enjoyed those and thought those were very well done. So a little tip of the cap there. Speaking of the cap, I got some feedback that a lot of you guys are curious about these. This is courtesy of the Las Vegas Aviators, AAA of the Oakland A's. Thank you to them for sending this over. This is uh, recognizing their Copa de la Diversion alternate identity of the Reyes de Plata. Translates to Silver Kings. It recognizes the migrant workers that mined silver when Nevada first became a state right there during the Civil War in the later stages. Again, thank you to the Las Vegas Aviators for sending this. It's a pretty freaking cool ad if I can say that myself. And definitely check out what they're up to, what they're doing. Major League Baseball did something good to grow the game. Kind of shocked. We got word that they have announced what they're calling the Spring Breakout. It is a prospect showcase that all 30 teams are participating in spring training. Typically, the way it works, if you want to see prospects, what happens is a lot of the prospects end up getting invited to major league spring training and they'll typically hang around and they will either compete for a spot on the starting roster and so they'll be there pretty far through spring training or they're there in major league spring training to be the back of the roster fill-ins because your major leaguers don't play nine innings in spring right they play four They play three, they play five, and then they get replaced. And some guys stick around in Major League Spring Training just to be that back of the roster depth. But a lot of the top prospects go to backfields and and other less accessible places where they play in Spring Training. So what Major League Baseball is doing, again, just stunned, is all 30 MLB clubs over a four-day span in March, the 14th, through the 17th of March. It's a Thursday through a Sunday. It'll be 20 to 25 of your top prospects, some of your rookies, and things like that. And you will play a seven-inning exhibition game against another major league squad's top prospects and rookies, right? They're going to pair them up. Now, there's 15 teams in Florida, 15 teams in Arizona. So in each spring training locale, one team has to play twice. In Florida, the Cardinals will play two games. In Arizona, 
the Reds will play two games. 12 of these games, they're paired with a major league spring training game so that it'll be a doubleheader in essence. This game will happen usually after the major league spring training game has happened. You can stay in the ballpark. There will be another game. And there has been a little bit of intimation from Major League Baseball that they may even televise some of these. So you may be able to turn on MLB Network and watch some of these games. And they have a full schedule already. So if you are traveling to either Arizona or you are traveling to Florida for spring training and there's a specific team that you are going to see, you can look to see when your prospect squad is matching up and make sure that you're there to see that game specifically, obviously, if that's something that that interests you. And if you're listening to this podcast and going to spring training, I assume that is something that interests you. But going through, there's some very interesting matchups that that I'm really excited to see. And granted, we don't know exactly which prospects are going to be in these, but the idea is most of your top prospects will be in these games. And so one of them, for instance, a really interesting one that's probably going to be, I'm going to be curious to see how, who gets to be the home team and how well this game ends up going because these two teams share a spring training facility, but the Mariners and the Padres will play each other. That's March 15th. That is a Friday game. It'll be at 4, 10 p.m., Eastern, so 2.10 p.m. local time, but going to be really interesting to see. I like San Diego's pitching. They obviously got a bunch of pitchers in the Juan Soto deal, but you've got some top guys. I mean, so they have Drew Thorpe. You've got some top guys, Robbie Snelling, Dylan Lesko, and they're all throwing to Ethan Salas, one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball, and then you turn that around. They're going to be pitching to a bunch of very intriguing young hitters, Colt Emerson, Cole Young, Michael Arroyo, and the catcher for the Mariners in that squad is, I'm again, we're assuming you're going to see some of these matchups, is going to be Harry Ford. So two of the top catching prospects in all of baseball facing off in the same game. Going to be very interesting. I think one that a lot of people are going to be very excited for, and if I had to guess which one would be broadcast. This is the one I would assume right now they're going to put on television. The very first one is Orioles at Padres. I'm sorry, Orioles at Pirates. 7.05 Eastern on Thursday, March 14th. And the Pirates play in Bradenton. The Orioles will come over there. But if you look at like the number of top prospects that you could see in this game, This is the one that could be absolutely stacked. And I think you could, the very first at bat of the game could be number one overall prospect Jackson Holiday versus last year's number one overall pick in Paul Skeens. Would absolutely be be great to watch. You're going to have some really great prospects, obviously, in that Orioles lineup, both in the infield and the outfield. Kobe Mayo, Heston Kierstad, Colton Kowser. Enrique Bradfield out of Vanderbilt, who they took last year. Very curious to see how his speed translates into a full season thing. Uh, Samuel Basayo, shout out. But my apologies to him for getting his name wrong in that show all last week. Somebody sent me a tweet or sent the show a tweet at Locked on Farm and said, think about the word quesadilla 
when you say Pasayo, which that doesn't really help me with the pronunciation, but I found a video of him talking about it, and he said Basayo when he introduced himself. Again, my apologies to Samuel Basayo for getting his name wrong. Some really interesting matchups in here. Things you're going to see. Reds at Rangers, right? You'll get, hopefully, Wyatt Langford, Evan Carter, Sebastian Walcott, and you'll see some guy. you'll see them hopefully get to face Rhett Lauder. He's one of the few first-round pitchers from last year that was a college guy that did not throw at all in a game. So we have not seen him yet, but I'm really curious to see how Rhett Lauder would do against Evan Carter and Wyatt Langford. So uh, a couple really interesting matchups and just fun things to watch. Nationals versus the Mets. That'll be a really good one. Those are two very good farm systems. The outfield, obviously, for the Nationals is the one we're talking about. Dylan Cruz, James Wood, and then a bunch of other outfielders. Christian Vaccaro, their international, their top international signee from two seasons ago. Elijah Green, Robert Hassel, a lot of outfield talent there. You turn that around against the Mets. They have a, a lot of, it's a lot of, I'm going to say physically different kind of stature for their guys. You look at a Luis Angel Acuna, you look at Jet Williams, Drew Gilbert, a lot of undersized spark plug type outfielders or second baseman in the case of, of Acuna and Williams. They play both. And then very curious to see how those pitchers for the Mets do against these prospects. Uh, Christian Scott, Blade Tidwell, Mike Basile, guys like that. So a couple interesting matchups to watch. But again, that entire list is available on MLB Pipeline, MLB.com. They have the schedule for all of those. In just a minute, let's talk about some injuries. Unfortunately, this does still happen in the offseason and what those teams do next. We'll have that conversation right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The everydayers know that tomorrow, the bowl game start for college football. NFL is obviously heading down the stretch right now as we get towards the postseason. If you're in a fantasy league, the playoffs probably just started for you, so you may have some free time now to figure out what else you want to do. And the app, incredibly easy to use. They have a lot of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit fanduelcom slash locked on to have some fun this holiday season with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked On MLB Prospects. Uh, excited to, to get us through the rest of this Friday episode to close the week. While you have some free time this weekend, in the episode description, in the show notes, is a link to a podcast survey that I have made. Shouldn't take more than about five minutes of your time, but I'd love to hear from you things that you think we do well, things we should add or start doing, things we should stop doing, feedback you might have, how you listen to the show, all that kind of stuff. Again, links in the episode description, links in the show notes. It doesn't collect any personal information as far as emails or anything. Only person that'll see these results are me. This is just for me to help plan out what 2024 looks like. So unfortunately, injuries do still happen over the offseason. And we heard about two significant injuries 
this week that can impact major league rosters in 2024. So the first one is Ronnie Mauricio of the Mets, the infielder, miss torn ACL in his right knee. He was playing winter ball. And if I remember correctly, when I was watching the video and we actually tweeted this and I accidentally tweeted it saying, I hope it's worse than it looked and not as worse, or not as bad as it looked. So had to correct that tweet, but he was leading off of the base non-contact injury. You hate to see that he's going to have surgery. There's not a definitive timeline for when he is due back in 2024, but just as an Atlanta Braves fan and hearing some of what Ronald Acuna Jr. talked about, it is interesting how even when you're able to return to play, it still takes some time for you to get comfortable with that with that knee and get the confidence in it again. So I wouldn't expect the Ronnie Mauricio that we know and love, I wouldn't expect him to look the same even when he does come back this season but probably 2025 is the breakout now potential for Ronnie Mauricio. And because of that injury, now that does some things for the Mets because you saw last year they had some struggles. Brett Beatty got a majority of the starts at third base. He played in 108 games. It didn't go well, leading to him getting sent down to AAA where he, of course, raked. And then he came back up and still struggled somewhat. So he finished his major league look 212, 275, 323 with nine home runs and 21 extra base hits for for Brett Beatty. 29 walks to 109 strikeouts. Stole two bags, but something where the transition to major leagues took a little bit longer than you were expecting. First rounder in 2019 as a prepster. His, this is obviously his first taste of the majors, uh, minus a short 40 at-bat sample he got at the end of the 22 season. And they still have faith that he's able to do it, but his competition is going to be Mark Vientos. He didn't get nearly as much time, and it wasn't consistent play time in the majors, but he did get some time. He's a 2017 second rounder, again, out of high school. And so a lot of what he did was DH, right? That was the majority of his playtime, but he did get some time at first and at third both. He batted 211, 253, 367. Nine home runs, 15 extra base hits, 10 walks to 71 strikeouts in 65 games. The Mets have indicated that as of now, they're not going to go out and get a veteran to play third base. This is obviously the year that you would want to let these guys play at the major league level and hope that somebody figures it out. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the Mets do. Obviously, you don't love losing Mauricio. That's terrible. And the thing with Mauricio, too, is he did get a brief amount of time last year, and he looked better than those guys did. He didn't look amazing, but batted 248 in a 26-game sample, just around 100 at-bats. 248, 296, 347, two home runs, six extra base hits, seven walks to 31 strikeouts. Can, uh, debuting in the majors is tough. For Mauricio as well, he, a longtime shortstop, was playing mostly second base when he came up. He got 21 games at second, five games at third, 
and only two innings at shortstop. So going to be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, Francisco Lindor is trying to help these two young guys out. He brought in for about a week. Uh, he brought Mark Vientos to, I think he lives in Orlando, is where Lindor lives. He brought Vientos there to him. They would wake up first thing in the morning. They would they'd work out. They'd hit. They'd do drills. It was like two-a-days. They'd have dinner and all of that. So Vientos spent a week with him. Lindor's planning on doing the same thing with Brett Beatty. They're coordinating that now. And the idea is just trying to pour into those guys a little bit and help them with the transition to the majors. We'll see what happens. David Stearns at the winter meetings did say that his plan was for one of those three guys, now two with Mauricio's injury, to be the everyday third baseman. So this is going to be a season where the first guy who can take over and show that they deserve to be the starter is going to be the starter. The other injury that had a, that's going to have a significant major league impact that we saw in winter ball this week was catcher Indy Rodriguez of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And this is, the injury was not this week. The injury was apparently back, I want to say it was in November, sometime in earlier mid-November, and they've kept it quiet for about a month. But they announced this week he had a, a torn UCL, was having Tommy John surgery, and would miss all of 2024. So you can put some things together after finding out he's had this for a couple weeks and then this happened. One of the announcements that was made in the offseason was Henry Davis, the catcher who played a lot of right field last year at the major league level. They said he was going to be focusing on catcher this year. And at the time, it was a little bit confusing. You have Indy Rodriguez, you have Henry Davis, you want them both to concentrate at catcher, and then the news comes out that Indy Rodriguez is hurt. And so Henry Davis also struggled a little bit in his transition to the majors. He got 62 games, and I believe the majority of those were starts. But again, it was almost entirely in right field. He played 417 innings in right field. He got 11 starts at DH, and he played a grand total of two innings behind the plate. And this is a career catcher that did not play in the outfield outside of two games in 2022, did not play in the outfield until 2023 when he got seven games in AA Altoona, he got nine games in AAA Indianapolis, and then was thrown into the major league job. In those 62 games for Henry Davis, 213, 302, 351. Seven home runs, 17 extra base hits. We also saw some strikeout issues for him. 25 walks to 69 strikeouts. And he went three of eight on stolen bases. He committed four errors in the outfield in 417 innings. It came out to a 937 fielding percentage. And again, this is just one of those, it's a new player adjusting to a new position at the major league level. We'll see him spend a lot of time at catcher in 2024. His arm has been pretty good in the past. And this is, it's unfortunate that this is how he had to get more playtime at catcher. But at the very least, you had another top prospect and a guy who could be a quality catcher to take the reps in Pittsburgh. I don't know what this means for them being a contender, but I honestly didn't know if they were going to be a contender before this, so I don't know how much this actually changes. In just a minute, there was a trade this week between the Dodgers 
and the Yankees, what the Dodgers had to do to make room on the roster for Joe Kelly and Shohei Otani. We'll talk about that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Final segment of the Friday show, and before we get into this final thing, I want to remind you, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows, including this one, that cover every single league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So we saw a trade to clear some 40-man space by the Los Angeles Dodgers. They sent two 40-man players over to the New York Yankees and got a non-40-man player in return. And that was obviously so they could make room for Joe Kelly and Shohei Otani. So they're back to 40 players on the roster. The players going to the Yankees was infielder Yorbit Vivas, and I'm probably saying his first name wrong, and lefty reliever Victor Gonzalez. Vivas was mostly double A last year. He got a little bit of time at the end of the year in triple A, but something where it's very much a contact-oriented bat, and I don't know how much power is in there. So 135 games, and again, 109 of those for Vivas were in double A Tulsa, only 26 in triple A Oklahoma City. So 269, 381, 407, 13 home runs, 41 extra base hits, and 69 walks to 71 strikeouts. So there's some home run potential there, but the big thing here is the on-base and the contact ability combined with, I probably should should also include, 25 of 30 on stolen bases. On-base ability, stolen bases, and then the hit tool. Again, he did bat 269, although that was brought down by some struggles in AAA. He batted 280 in Tulsa, but he batted only 226 in AAA, and so that brought the whole profile down. He, I don't know if the power's ever going to be anything significant. It's something like this average exit velocity was in the lower 80s, but got the home runs because the pitch selection, what he's swinging at, is very good. Again, good contact ability, struggled a bit in AAA. That's a big adjustment for a lot of people, especially when you spend half the week with the automatic balls and strikes and half the week with the challenge system because the ABS calls strikes up in the zone, fastballs up in the zone, calls them a little bit differently than a lot of human umpires do. We'll get into that in in another show coming up soon. And Vivas is, he profiles as a second baseman. He's listed a lot of places as a second and a third baseman. And this is something that the Dodgers do a lot more than anybody else, right? This reminds me, Max Muncy's another guy we've talked about. His arm isn't that great, but they'll still play him at third base. And they'll take the lack of outstanding arm strength and exceptional defense at the hot corner to get his bat in the lineup. Uh, It was mostly second base for Vivas, 120 games versus 12 at third base, but he did play it. Now, in those 120 games at second, he had eight errors, a 983 fielding percentage. For those 12 games at third base, he had six errors, so an 860 fielding percentage. I really don't think that the Yankees 
should use him at third base. I think he should be exclusively at second base, but he's technically listed as a third baseman. You, they also got uh, lefty reliever Victor Gonzalez. Came up in 2020. He's had multiple surgeries on his elbow. He had Tommy John in 2017. He had some other elbow surgery in 2022. He's a sinker slider guy. Didn't give up a lot of home runs last year. Ground ball kind of artist. Stick him in the pen. Not anything worth necessarily making a big deal about, but they did get him. The big thing that surprised me was the return from the Yankees. And talking to some folks that are around the Yankees organization, some of the conversation was he had more value to somebody else than he had to the Yankees. But shortstop Trey Sweeney, he was the first round pick of the Yankees in 2021 and was hurt late in the year, missed like a month. We don't know what it is. A lot of the minor league injury placements are not public. They don't talk about it. But in the regular season, in those 100 games in AA Somerset, 252, 367, 411. 13 home runs, 35 extra base hits, 65 walks to 90 strikeouts, and 20 to 27 on stolen bases for Trey Sweeney. The thing here for Trey Sweeney is the swing, and the Yankees worked with him on this, the swing has gotten pretty simple and more biomechanically sound. And the thing that you saw when that happened is his exit velocity got better, his contact rate got better, and so they're they're doing that thing we talk about with the Yankees where they're optimizing and getting the most out of their players. Now, not necessarily a finished product. He still struggles with breaking balls, and it's not just like a slider down in the way thing. He struggles with sliders. He struggles with curveballs. He miss he, he swings and misses more than 30% against both of those pitches. So there is, they've simplified the mechanics and streamlined the biomechanics, but there's still pitch recognition issues to deal with Trey Sweeney. And then from a defensive perspective, He's going to be fine. He can play shortstop. He can play second base. The speed is fringe to average. The actual overall defensive grade is probably fringe to average. And the way the Yankee system is configured, obviously Anthony Volpe is your starting shortstop, but you have guys like Oswaldo Cabrera, like Oswald Peraza, and a bunch of more promising prospects in the lower levels that you would go to to play short or to play second over Trey Sweeney. So he had more value in a trade than he had to the Yankees. And it's a Dodgers system that doesn't really have a lot of high-level shortstop prospects, as evident by the fact that they had to make some trades just to get shortstops to play last year. Again, uh, the biggest thing to me was just being surprised. Uh, When I saw the guys that were traded, I saw the name, and I'm just thinking, they just shipped out a first-rounder two and a half years after they got him. It's not giving up on him. I honestly think this is probably selling at, not the peak of his value, but this is probably, I think at this point we know who, we know who he is, right? And so you're selling at the correct value here. I don't necessarily think that there's a ton extra to get out of Trey Sweeney. I think we know he is a utility piece at the major league level at probably his ceiling. But it's still a good move by the Dodgers to be able to get one, a prospect of the caliber of 
Trey Sweeney, a former first-round overall pick, or a former first-round pick, not first overall, and fill a need in the organization for a high minors middle infield defender or you can stick Trey Sweeney. So good work there. Uh, next week, going to be a really exciting time. In the meantime, remember, you can obviously watch Locked on Sports Today all weekend. We're going to have a mailbag on Monday. So if you have questions for us, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Everything else, subtext, Discord, email, all of that, it's in the episode description. It's in the show notes while you're there. Again, also a podcast survey. Take about five minutes of your time. I'd love your feedback on what we're doing, what we can get better at, what you want us to start talking about, and what you want us to stop talking about. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. <laughs>